an epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Residents at Brightview Senior Living Communities enjoy enhanced possibilities, independence, and choice. Brightview Dulles Corner in Herndon and Brightview Great Falls offer vibrant senior independent living, assisted living, and memory care services through various daily programs and cultural events. Chef-prepared meals, safety and security, transportation, resort-style amenities, and high-quality care. Everything you need is here. Discover more at brightviewseniorliving.com. Equal housing opportunity. Welcome to the Chase Down Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Rowan. With me today is my co-host, Carter Rodriguez. Carter, how's it going, buddy? Been better. Spilled wine all over my carpet right before we started. <laughs> That's why we're 15 minutes late. Yeah, big apologies to everybody listening live on Twitch. Carter spilled an entire glass of wine. Uh, Red wine. <laughs> I think. Red oh, wine. Real, real, real smooth there. I uh, think Ben showed me right as I walked, scrambled to clean up that she's drinking a, a white like a grown-up and uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> she, she's smart with that left and yeah. it was a heavy pour <laughs> we do have a special episode of the chase down podcast today uh we're doing things just a little bit differently here um talking about a cause that uh, i think is really really important with us today is a special guest beverly gooden uh beverly is a social activist and advocate for domestic violence survivors as well as a survivor herself um and also very importantly, and a very, very important qualification to be on this podcast, she is a kid that has never lied to a blind man, which I, I just really appreciate. <laughs> Bev, how's it going? Good. How are y'all? Uh, as, as established, well, not, yeah, <laughs> starts, this but, you know, uh, I think we're going to recover. I think uh, we're glad to have you on the pod. Uh, and Thank I think you. that's really going to help raise my spirits. Yeah, we, we really, really are happy to have you on here. Um, obviously, I, I came to know you through Cavs Twitter. And then just over the years, I, I've seen um, the, the causes that you've been involved with, uh, the activism and, and just what a strong presence you've been there. Unfortunately, so unfortunately, we actually do have some NBA topics that are very applicable here. Um, today, there, there was the footage leaked by TMZ of DeMarcus Cousins threatening to shoot uh, or put a bullet through his ex-girlfriend's head uh, over his child not being allowed to go to his wedding. Um, When the news first broke, the first headline I saw was DeMarcus Cousins threatens ex-girlfriend over child not being allowed to go to the wedding or or some variation of that. And I was like, okay, like, 
I can understand stress of a wedding situations like that. I, I can see a volatile conversation, something like that. But then when you get into the thread, it just immediately, I, I just kind of sunk in my chair. And what, what was your reaction when you uh, saw that uh, news and, and kind of saw the, the story break today, Beth? Yeah. I mean, it's, like, sadly, it's not, he's not an anomaly. I mean, it almost seems like every, month a new story comes out about an athlete that is violent in some way to mm -hmm. their partner or ex-partner maybe not physical violence but emotional violence or like psychological violence or threatening violence it seems like it's almost common now and i just can't figure out why people have such a difficult time not being violent when they don't get what they want like mm -hmm. because that's all it was i mean not that, you know, it's a small thing to not have your kid at your wedding. Sure, that's a big thing. But, like, you don't respond to that by threatening violence, especially the type of violence that ends someone like. Like, what, it, what are you doing? Like, why would you do that? I don't know. It just feels like there are better ways to deal with rejection. I yeah. think, um, in general, you know, sports takes up a lot of social causes, you know, a lot of social injustice. And it never seems like domestic violence is the one that they take up as if domestic violence is not a social issue. It is, you know, it's a social injustice. And so I wish that, you know, I know the Lakers came up with a statement, some sort of statement, like they're looking into it. The one that they always make when, you know, something like that. Right. Yeah. That they're launching their own investigation. Like, sure. We all heard the tape, but aside from that, it just seems like it, Athletes who are so insulated, you know, they have the money, they have the insulation, they're not really out here in the world. It just feels like we almost expect them to always get away with it. You know, when it comes to someone that's, you know, not famous or not a celebrity, they're not an athlete, it's like, okay, that's the bad person. But like, this too is a bad thing. Like, this is a bad action. Threatening someone with this type of violence, especially a bullet to the head, like, that's not even normal talk. Who says yeah. that? Like, that's, yeah. that's <laughs> who says that? Like that, I was expecting like um, some sort of insulting language, um, a couple of FUs thrown in there, that sort right. of Right. Not but a then, bullet to the head. Yeah. And, and I, I saw some comments today as well. Well, she was filming it from the get go. She was kind of baiting him into that. And with situations like this where, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but it, it, if she instinctively knew, okay, there's a chance he's going to say something along those lines, it probably isn't the first instance where there's been a threat of yeah. violence. And I really don't want to insinuate that there has been um, uh, issues where it's escalated beyond threats in the past. I don't know what their history is, and I'm not comfortable yeah. speaking towards that. Yeah. But there would be some sort of inkling that, things have gone that way in the past and there's a chance right. that it may go that way now and I might as well record it. And it's ridiculous because like who would expect someone to say, I'm going to put a bullet in your head. Like, it's not like she said, well, what are you going to do to me? Or, right. you know, how about those bullets? Like, no, like you can't predict someone's going to say what he said, which lets me know that he meant it and that it was unexpected. Whether or not she was according to see what he was going to say. I mean, that's, I think that's normal when you're faced with someone who you know to be violent in some capacity, if she knows that about him. But, like, put a bullet in your head? What? Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, pretty, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty scary talk. And something right. I actually wanted to ask you about, Bev, 
Um, you know, this is something that uh, you, you've worked with a lot of domestic uh, abuse survivors and are one yourself. And, you know, I noticed that a, a, an understated thread um, across after this news came out today was like kind of like a little bit. Um, it was a little victim blamey. It was a little like she recorded this or like she shouldn't have done this to him given all his personal problems lately. And I, I guess like, like, what yeah. And <laughs> you know, beyond the obvious that there's no excuse, like I, I have to kind of notice this trend when it, when these kind of issues come up is unless the uh, alleged victim uh, is a complete saint has lived a perfect <laughs> life. It seems like we tend to want to invalidate them. Yeah. A little bit, uh, societally can you kind of speak to that and why you think that is and because yeah. I, I think it kind of ties back into your the cause that kind of uh got you most involved in this which is uh hashtag why i stayed if you'd like to speak to that as well yeah i mean i think victim blaming is one of those things that is like now it's almost a natural reaction to an incident of violence like people don't even realize they're doing it and i think there's there's a few reasons why the main ones i think are number one we, and I mean that regardless of gender, like gender neutral, we don't think anything like this could ever happen to us. Mm -hmm. And so when it happens to someone else, we start to look for reasons why it happened to them to prevent it from happening to us. And that's just not the reality of domestic violence, of violence in general, relationship violence. It could happen to anyone at any time. And so there's no way to figure out exactly who's going to do it or exactly what situation it's going to be when it happens. It happens to whoever it happens to. That's the first thing. And the second thing I think is that victim blaming has become so socially acceptable that people don't really push back on it anymore unless they are, you know, people, you know, who work in the area or people like you who know that it's wrong. It just becomes a pile on. And so I think at the root of it is just a general misunderstanding of the complexity of domestic violence. We don't really understand why it happens or how it happens or who it happens to or what the warning signs are or what the red flags are red flags are or even how once you're in it it's so difficult to get out of it you don't really have a deep understanding of that and so victim blaming is so commonplace that to me it's frightening it's frightening that i think it was kendrick perkins had a tweet what did he say i'm gonna find it because it was just so dumb yeah and I couldn't he, it was that. uh it was perkins it was I, I, I think it was along the lines of I'm pulling it up right now. I, it, I it was it. wrong for her to record him or, or to kind of entrap him was, was the accusation there. Yeah, he said both both were wrong for how they handled the situation, but she didn't have to set him up like that. Like yeah. now, how is it a setup unless you know exactly what someone's gonna do? She right. didn't know he was gonna say put a bullet. Like, how would you know that? Uh, mm -hmm. It just doesn't make sense. But furthermore, I think what we have to become comfortable with is the idea that it is okay for us to attribute blame to someone who is violent or threatened violence without looking for blame in the person that received it. I think we're always looking for like two things and it's okay if it's just one thing. Like it's okay to say he was wrong for what he did, the end. Like we don't have to say, but there was a wedding and but there was a kid and but... She was like, none of that matters because she didn't say she was going to put a bullet in his head. Right. Yeah. He she, said that she to her. Escalate to, because, you know, I think like that's the thing is domestic abuse is not just physical, it is mm -hmm. verbal threats. It's uh, things that make people feel unsafe to be in their relationship, you know, mm -hmm. and or, or to get out of it. Yeah. Or to get out of it. Yeah. 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 So, um, 
so with why I stayed, why I stayed was 2014. And so it was um, in direct response to the Ray Rice video that TMZ also released. Um, that came out. And at the time, I was just on Twitter to talk about music and the Cavs. We hadn't won yet. So, you know, it was a difficult time for us to have, mm-hmm. you know, people on Twitter. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it was yes. a different time then. Uh, so I was offering to talk about that and to just talk, you know, mess about whatever. I hadn't really talked about domestic violence very much because it was something that I experienced and I had put it in the past. Like, I just didn't want to talk about it. I donated. I, you know, did some marches. But other than that, I wasn't really vocal about it. But that day, I remember just like a very clear feeling of um, guilt, you know, like in shame associated with being someone who stayed in a relationship that was violent. So I met my ex when we were in college and he wasn't violent right away. He didn't become violent until about a year into the relationship and he was physically violent. And I was one of those people who believed that if you just love them the right way or love them enough, um, do exactly what they want you to do, they'll stop. And so that was my hope for the next two years, that if I just did everything the way he wanted it to, he would stop. And then when I realized that that wasn't going to happen is when I left. But before I left, I made a choice to stay with him for a really long time. So when the Ray Rats video came out on Twitter, the response in large part was the question, why would she stay with him? And so people were just like going at her, just why would she stay with him? She's so stupid. She must want his money. I would never, you know, those types of things. And so like I said, I remember just feeling like that feeling of shame, you know, that they weren't talking to me, but they were talking to me because they were, they were talking to people like me who made a decision to stay. And so I just started to tweet some of my reasons for staying in that marriage. And I just kind of left it at that. I didn't think anything, I really didn't think anyone would care because it's domestic violence. I mean, it's sad to say, but it's domestic violence. And people don't really, as you can see from today, like people don't really rock with that as a social issue. And so they don't understand it. Yeah, I understand it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and if they do, they, they might not be comfortable enough to really engage and, and for it to kind of get the, the footing that it did. And mm-hmm. I, I remember at, at that time seeing the, the thread and seeing the responses and things like that. And um, I, I do think that that's one of the more common things that um, people that for whatever reason, aren't really willing to listen to the survivors uh, mm-hmm. seem to gra- uh, latch on to is, well, if it was so bad, why were they still with them? If this wasn't the first instance, why are they still with them? And um, seeing just all these people share their stories, including yourself on um, just how you can kind of almost feel trapped in that cycle. And yeah. I mean, anyone that's been in an unhealthy relationship, even like there, there are aspects of that person mm-hmm. that you care about. Exactly. You rationalize in your own mind and you blame yourself at times. Well, well, if I did this in a different way, maybe things wouldn't have escalated that way. Yeah. And I can see how it can be easy to be trapped in that sort of a situation. Yeah, and you blame yourself as well. I mean, I, you are told by the person who is abusive towards you in whatever capacity that it's your fault, and you can internalize that. Like right. For instance, my ex would say things like, I mean, he would go off about dishes in the sink. Like, there would be dishes in the sink, and he would lose it. And so right. I would internalize that as, if I put the dishes in the dishwasher, I won't get hit. 
And so you start to believe that if you tell yourself that and if someone tells you that all the time. So imagine you log on Twitter and now you have a million other people telling you the same thing that your abuser is telling you. You really do believe that. And then further, I think one thing that we don't talk about a lot is that people stay, even if it is that bad, because their abuser might threaten to kill them. You right. don't want to die. You know what I'm saying? Or they all threaten to kill someone that they love, their parents, their dog, their kids, you know, something. Or shoot them in the head, you know, put a bullet through their head. Like, that is very real. And when you're dealing with someone who is unpredictably violent, you have to take threats seriously. And so a lot of times, staying is self-preservation because you don't want to die or you don't want someone you love to die. Yeah, it's, 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 it really is a life or death issue. Um, you, so you, you started tweeting this thread out and can you kind of speak a little bit to the response you got from the community at large and kind of how that's framed, um, your path forward? Yeah. I mean, initially was, um, I would say mainly survivors of, um, intimate partner violence, just kind of tweeting their stories as well. Um, then it kind of snowballed from there and then it became, you know, other people tweeting in support. I don't remember a lot of trolls that first day or two, like there, or I didn't see them rather. I didn't see a lot of it until later on, but it was just a lot of support. And I think it was because people were saying something different and they were saying it about them. It was a different time on Twitter anyway. This is before most of the social movements that happened after that. So like social activism wasn't popular, you know, it wasn't something that really happened. And so I think it was one of the very, first times that people were talking about a social issue that's not popular, but personalizing it. So instead of, you know, you just hearing a news story about someone that you don't know, someone that you tweet with every day about cats is now telling you that they've experienced this violence. And so it becomes something you're paying attention to. That's the feeling that I got from it the first few days. Um, And then it just kind of, it died down, I would say in about a month or two. but people were still like asking questions or like asking for interviews and stuff like that. And so I decided my grandma, uh, who I named my organization after, she always used to say, you can do two things with attention. You can um, absorb it or you can distribute it. And so I decided that I wanted to distribute it. And so I started an organization um, called the LMA Foundation. And the whole purpose of the organization was so that I could create a bulk that project. And so um, there are only two people involved, (laughs) me and my mom. And we um, send bags of toiletries to victims of domestic violence, regardless of location or um, gender, whoever. You know, anyone can ask for a bulk bag. It's completely anonymous. And I did that on purpose because one of the barriers for me in getting out of my marriage was that everyone wanted a lot of information from me. So just to access the social services, people wanted like my name, my date of birth and my social and my mailing address and sometimes his name. It's just like a lot of information that I wasn't comfortable giving. Right. And so with this project, I wanted to make sure that people could ask for help with no questions asked. Like I don't take government funding. Like I don't pursue like grants and funding. I do it out of my paycheck. I have like a certain amount of money every paycheck that goes to shipping. Um, yeah. For that reason, because I don't want two things. I don't want to be responsible for giving personal information of victims to anyone else. And then also, I don't want other people to have access to their information. Above all else, I want to protect victims. 
because they're already in a situation where they don't feel safe. I don't want them asking for help to make them feel even more unsafe. And so the project is anonymous. Um, there are a few different channels that they can submit um, their mailing address. I asked for a safe mailing address and an alias. It doesn't have to be a real name. I'd never know if it was anyway because I don't Google it. I delete it immediately after. It goes to ProtonMail. So right. um, uh, it comes there. They can submit it online. They can submit it through Signal. I mean, there's a few different ways, but I get the alias and the mailing address, and then within 48 hours, I'll ship a bag of toiletries, and that can include whatever I really have there at the time. So um, shampoo and soap and toothbrush and toothpaste, mouthwash, just like basic things, because I want people to feel good about themselves the next day. I think a lot of times we're thinking of like someone who is escaping violence. We're like, oh, they're out of there. It's good. It's fine. It's safe. But like, what if you have a job interview the next day? Or what if you just want to be clean? You know, what if you just want to feel good about yourself in that way? I think that's something that seems small that is really big. You know, mm -hmm. just feeling good and feeling safe and combing your hair and brushing your teeth and getting up and engaging with the world again. And so I wanted to make that possible. And that's essentially the bulk of Project Ace. I've been doing it for five years. Um, to date, we shipped probably about 3,000 bags. Oh my God. Wow. That's yeah, um, it's, it's, it's amazing. And I, what I love about it, well, there's several things I love about it. One of the things I love most about it that I can say is that for me, it's good information. Like it gives me markers. I remember one year I was getting, I got like maybe 50 requests from Utah Mm -hmm. um, so maybe like 2015 or 2016, just like random requests from Utah. And then like a few months later, I found out that like Utah was having a domestic violence epidemic. Like it was just massive. But like right. I knew that before the news came out because somehow they found this and they were requesting it. That happened again in like Florida in 2016. So, I mean, it really gives me an idea of like where to um, look for people who might need help, try to get mm -hmm. the word out to them. Um, Wow, that's I mean that's amazing. I I was blown away by that number, especially the fact yeah. that it's being funded entirely by donations and mainly yeah. you. Um, <laughs> and I do want donations too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I do want to note uh, for anyone listening to the podcast, uh, we're gonna run, we're gonna do our part to help uh, here at the Chase Down with the bolt bag. Uh, if you donate to the bolt bag, whether you do a single or a monthly recurring payment, whatever you can, uh, you can spare, um, and email chasedownpod at gmail.com with either a receipt or a screen grab, or just tell us, we'll believe you. That'd be a pretty weird thing to lie about. Uh, we will enter your name into a uh, random drawing for one of our uh, Garland Cleveland sign themed uh, t-shirts uh, on the pod. Probably should send one to Bev just cause. Um, but yeah, so we really, we, we'd really, really like you guys to help support uh, this project because it's really, really cool. And it's one of Cav's Twitter's own. One thing I did want to ask Bev, um, this, is, this is an aspect of domestic violence that was completely unknown to me. And I, I don't want to speak for Justin, but I would imagine pretty close to unknown for him too. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like I, Justin and I are pretty worldly people we're online we pay attention we read we care about this shit we care about being good people but yeah. like that this is a thing that i don't think a lot of people know is like it's not as simple as walking out the door for a lot of these women right yeah <clears throat> like they they don't 
always get to pack up, uh, pack up their things and have this nice TV exit. And uh, a lot of times uh, they have financial dependence on their partner. Can you speak to that just a little bit? Yeah. In fact, I'm glad you said that because finances are the number one reason that people stay in these relationships because they can't afford to get out of it or their finances are so tied to the person that is abusing them that they can't. Like for Mm -hmm. instance, um, I mean, just think about it. In, in a normal situation, this is normal you, you're going about your day and you want to move to a different apartment or something like that. You're thinking, I'm going to go find an apartment, I'm going to get in there, it's going to be fine. But like the steps that it takes for you to get that apartment cost money. You have to go look, that's gas money. You have an application fee, that's $40, $50. You have a security deposit, that could be like one month's rent. Um, you have moving costs. You have all these things that cost money. Now imagine there is someone who is controlling your money. They know every dime you spend like they know when you swipe the debit card they know if there's a dollar missing they know, because your account is their account um right. it becomes that much more difficult and then a lot of victims are um forced to stop working because their abuser doesn't want them to work you have no income so not only do you not have income you don't have a bank account of your own that's one of the main reasons people stay is because they can't get out because they don't have separate finances um, but aside from that, I think, you know, one thing that is really important to note is that an abuser is kind of, it's violent by definition, yes, but when you're escaping, it truly is an escape. So there is no, I got up one day and I walked out of the door and that was the end of it. Nine times out of 10, they come after you. 70% mm-hmm. of women experience violence in the two weeks following the time that they leave a relationship. So once they've left, they're not even safe, 70% of women. And so, you know, it's a matter of finding the proper way to escape, of having a plan of escape, of having people who can help you escape. I mean, it's just not, it's not an easy thing to to do. For me, I had to plan my escape for two months. Like I couldn't just walk out of the door. I had to steal money from him because we had, I was one of those people. We had one bank account. So he hates grocery shops. He would send me to the grocery store and I would take like $5 here and there from the grocery money. But that takes planning. Like Mm -hmm. you don't just And time. And time. And so it it hurts to say, but like most people who just get up and run die. That's just the fact. I mean, I I hate to be morbid about it, but that's reality. That's reality. They die because there's a confrontation or they're shot or they're strangled something like that. They don't make it out because getting up and running is not an option. So you have to be willing to, um, you have to be able to, you have to be given the opportunity to plan and strategize your way out. And I think that people really do think, oh, just get up and leave. It's, it's that simple. What about stalking? There's some show on what, I don't know what channel it was. We can stalk the person who ghosted you and find oh, out where they ghosted that. you. What the hell is that? Like, oh, that, is, that is, what the hell is that? Unhealthy. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So like, it's not easy, especially when technology is involved. You can find anybody at any time. You right. can track people on their phone. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I think to your point, Carter, that like, we really have to recognize and discuss how difficult it is for someone to, to leave a relationship like this when they have someone who is controlling them, who may have control of the finances, or is just going to follow them wherever they go. One thing I want to emphasize that you mentioned earlier, though, is just that the bolt bags are available to anyone. And that's uh, kind of something that comes with um, the fact that you don't have to submit your information like um, man, woman, um, somebody 
that has abusive parents. Uh, like there, there's so many different situations where domestic violence and unsafe uh, situations can can kind of manifest. And it's, it, I think it's just such a great cause that it is available to anyone and there is such ease to access. Um, one question I do have though is, with this being kind of a step to remove a, a barrier in getting free from those type of situations, are there any other barriers that you've either experienced yourself or have had other uh, survivors kind of express uh, that you've kind of identified as a, a next step or, or something that people could know after they have received mm-hmm. a bolt bag uh, to kind of continue to move on and kind of create their own independence? Yeah, I think um, one thing that I hear a lot from survivors. So when I left my ex, I went straight to a domestic violence shelter where I stayed for a while. Okay. As part of being a resident or just a client of the shelter, I got free, lots of things. I got free transportation and free um, mental health therapy, um, individual counseling, group therapy, things like that. And mm-hmm. one thing that I hear from a lot of survivors now is that it's so difficult to access therapy and therapy really is a game changer. Like mm-hmm. therapy kept me from suicide. Therapy kept me from returning to my ex because I missed him. Like that's a reality. Like you have approached right. your life and you're like, oh, I really want to go home because you don't have a home. So I think like, like I, I would love for people to donate to the Boat Bag Project, but also like donate to shelters in your area um, if you can. Um, because they, um, that's where people will go for those services when they're ready, like for um, counseling services or just kind of like basic services that, that a boat bag can't meet, you know? So I think that's one of the things that's really important. But I do also want to say that um, to anyone who may be thinking about ordering one, it doesn't have to be like a home address either. It could be a peel box. I should to those. It could be your work. Um, it could be a family member's house. It could be, um, I'm trying to figure out how to get like, you know how they have the Amazon lockers where you can just like put a code mm-hmm. in. And in my grand plan of like, <laughs> yeah, bolt bag takeover. Yeah, there's that <laughs> option. It doesn't exist yet, but I'm working on it. But um, yeah, you can have it sent anywhere. And so I want people to know that it doesn't have to come to your house, so that whoever is abusing you will find it. It can go anywhere. But yeah, so but to answer your question, I think like donating to local shelters. Um, donating items, donating time, volunteer time is really important because um, they're losing funding for various reasons. We won't get Mm. into that, but funding is being pulled from domestic violence shelters because um, certain people in power don't think that they're important. So I think they're important. (laughs) Well, we definitely agree with you there. Um, One last thing that I I definitely wanted to get in uh, before we talk about more fun uh cabsy stuff uh you know make a very very delicate transition (laughs) a delicate transition um one thing that i was kind of curious about is you know everyone who talks about going through this kind of talks about how isolating it is Mm -hmm. and uh you know i heaven hope that you know none of our listeners are going through this but uh it's almost a certainty that we know someone who is statistically uh, what's, how would you advocate, how would you, um, advise on how, you know, people like me or Justin or any yeah. of our listeners could be a good ally and to yeah. our friends close and people we might not know. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I'm glad you said that because 
you are absolutely right. It's statistically impossible for all of us not to know someone who's experienced it. It's one in four women and one in six men. That's not counting the non-binary. That's not counting um, those who don't identify either. One in four women and one in six men. Like it is truly an epidemic and you know someone like a lot of your listeners. Mm-hmm. Um, with that said, I think something that was really impactful for me when I was getting out of that marriage is that I had friends and family who didn't tell me what to do. And I, what I mean by that is they knew it was wrong. I knew it was wrong. I had come to the realization that it was wrong, but they didn't say, all right, get up, get out of there. What, why are you there? It's so stupid that you're there. Like, what are you doing? This is ridiculous. They didn't do anything like that. They said, and, and this is almost a quote because I remember it. They said, whatever you want to do, whenever you're ready, we'll be here for you. And that was so powerful to me because it empowered me. Like it gave me control back in a life where I didn't have control for a really long time. And so I knew I wanted to leave, but I also knew that if I questioned it or if I got scared, if I got nervous, if I needed more help, I had friends and family there who would be understanding and gentle with me in a time where I really needed gentleness. And so I would say that to you or anyone listening or watching that if you know someone or you will know someone, undoubtedly or you feel like you know someone who's experiencing this one find the resources available there's the national domestic violence hotline here in the u.s um there's hotlines everywhere um and then there's local agencies that you can find on like google have those available give them to the person that needs them but also let them know i'm not forcing you to make any decision that you don't want to make i just want you to know that whenever you need me i'm here for you and i think that's just, that's more powerful than we give credit to Love it. Uh, if someone wants to uh, support the Bolt Bag Project, uh, where can they go? Yes, you can go to lmafoundation.org. Um, there's a page, Bolt Bag, I should spell that. It's E-L-L-A-M-A-E foundation.org. <laughs> or beverlygoodin.com. Um, or you can type in Bolt Bag Project. I think it's... I think it's That's how I found it. I just yeah. Googled Bolt Bag. Google Bolt Bag, yeah. Yeah, you, you can also uh, find it on the uh, at Chase Down Pod Twitter feed. We will tweet it out after the podcast. It, it'll be there. We'll 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 have that pinned all week. As Carter mentioned, we Yay. are doing the fit, uh, free T-shirt giveaway. So if you have a donation, send it to chasedownpod at gmail dot com, and we will enter you into that draw. Um, and then if you win, we'll contact you for your uh, your information there. So. Um, yeah, as I already had a few donations spill in, by the way. Woo! <laughs> so See, Carter, she's excited and she didn't spill her wine. <laughs> Relax, bro. Take take some notes on that. Is it a little too soon? A little too soon. Relax. <laughs> All right, guys, before we move on to the next part of our podcast, we need to talk about our sponsor. Just because the Cavs season is still a little ways away doesn't mean you have to wait to start betting on Cleveland sports. My bookie is the place to bet on football every single weekend. Our Blue Wire podcasters are using mybookie.com slash Blue Wire to sign up this year. My bookie has better bonuses and more prop bets than any sport, any other sports book, period. This year, they're hosting the first online handicapping super contest. First place is guaranteed to win at least $100,000 and it only costs $100 to enter. All you got to do is pick five NFL games against the spread every week to climb the leaderboard and score your share of a huge cash prize pool. My bookie has live in-game betting on every NFL game. They got the most rewarding player perks in the business. 
And for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet on the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Visit MyBookie online today. That's MyBookie. And don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE when creating your account to claim the bonus. Bet. Win. Get paid. Well, we we are going to stumble forward and transition into a little bit of Cleveland sports action there. Um, we're, we're, <laughs> there is absolutely no delicate way. And, and Bev, I just want to say again. Oh, wow. So, thank you so much for shedding a lot of light on, on this topic. And as I'm saying this, you are putting on a very <laughs> lovely Cleveland Cowboys Thank hat. you. Oh, it's great. It's a look. <laughs> now, how... So we, we were talking about before we went on air that you recently moved to Houston. How, yeah. how does it feel supporting a team with no chance at winning a championship next season in a city that has no sit chance at winning a championship next season? <laughs> right. You know, Rockets fans are really full of themselves. I they love say. themselves. They love them some Rockets fans and nobody else. They're... Something's wrong with them. Like, they're... Well, you know... Okay, let me not say that for people, like, block me. But <laughs> Rockets fans are very confident. And mm-hmm. I don't know why they are, because they had Chris Paul. So, <laughs> you know, I mean, they maybe they can be now because of Westbrook. I don't know. Uh, oh, yeah. Master maybe, of playoffs, playoff success. You know? So maybe there's a chance for them. It's really difficult for me because I, I go about the world like this. You know? Um, right. You know, I have it in my Tinder bio that I'm a Cavs fan. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just very out front. So it's hard. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a good thing to have in your Tinder bio, though, because it because lets people know. know that one ring's enough. That's all, that's all you need in life. <laughs> one will always be special. <laughs> it was funny. At my, at my wedding, um, my, I've shared this story before, but my brother had in his uh, toast to me, mentioned to my wife that she could leave me for four years come back and I would still love her uh the way <laughs> LeBron did. and uh yeah I'm, I'm glad she hasn't taken him up on that but <laughs> I, I think uh Cavs fandom can can translate into a relationship so I uh I can see <laughs> why you'd have that in your tinder bio yeah you really want to communicate that well it's kind of <laughs> nice given that neither Justin and I are from Cleveland or uh really particularly close especially justin so you're just one of us now that's really what it is you're, you're an out-of-towner pretending to be an in-towner I so am, justin yeah. doesn't really pretend given the twitter handle so a lot of people yeah. think you live there i thought he did like no seriously like years ago i thought that you would i think i asked you once asked are you what part of cleveland you're you're like north canada north cleveland. <laughs> Well, Evan in the chat just said, isn't Winnipeg the Cleveland of Canada? And it wow. is still many ways. I, I'm taking my wife there in November, and I've explained it. It's just bigger Winnipeg. It, it's very, very yeah. similar. It's got, just like Winnipeg, it's got more breweries than people, and uh, that's basically all she needs in a city. So that's, uh, <laughs> he's looking forward to that. Um, it, it's also right now, well, I guess it always is. And, and I know you guys have talked about this before. I'm going to let you guys kind of take over uh, this segment of it. But Browns, 
the the Browns are really good and people seem to want to make it known that it's a lot more important than what the Cavs did in 2016. And as an out of towner, I find this really damn weird and a, a fascinating dynamic. So I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on that. Bev, can you clear out for a minute? I, w- I want to, I, I got a monologue real quick. Car's going to unleash. And if you distract him, he's going to knock over a glass. So just going to talk go. real big with my hands. Um, so, if there's one thing I don't like about the internet, um, <laughs> and we've thing? talked about a lot of cool things the internet can do on the first half of the pod, this is one thing I do not like, and it's this uh, this needless comparison that appears harmless, but is needlessly a bummer. <laughs> like, there's this, like, I think uh, this all started with, like, the Ringer tweeted some poll of, like, would it be cooler, would the... What would like the city of Cleveland be more hyped for? The Cavs title in 2016 or a Browns title? And it's like, yeah, probably the latter, but why are you being a dick about it? <laughs> like, like, why do you have to reinforce that they like the other team more? It's like an it's like an inherent like downgrade of the Cavs title, which right. I thought we were all agreed on being the best day of our sporting lives. <laughs> it just it yeah. makes me so mad and everyone does it especially clevelanders like oh if you thought the Cavs one was cool fuck you that's <laughs> cool uh, i don't understand it i mean i feel my parents were basketball fans first so i'm biased to the Cavs championship like the browns is gonna be great too because obviously it's gonna happen but i mean they're equal to me like i don't I don't, I don't get why we have to be in competition with our championships. Know what I think it is? I think this is a case of when you get the people on the extremes that seem like a majority, but they're really just kind of a vocal minority. Like it's the very, very yeah. outer limits of Browns fans. And then you have other people in the media that just kind of feed into that. I mean, like for yeah, Discord chat, for example, like there's just, they're Cleveland sports fans and they really want to see all the teams do well. They, they're very happy right. when the tribe does well. They're happy when the Cavs are good. They, they love their Browns and like everyone's going to have their favorite sport. But I, I think at the end of the day, you just want to see your, your city and the teams you love do well. It, it, it is just a, an absolutely fascinating d- dynamic. And it's just one of those things where I understand it when the ringer does it because the ringer wants to minimize yeah. what the Cavs have done because they went through <laughs> Boston to do it. Right. Oh. And, well, you know. You're wrong. <laughs> and well, you know, but yeah, I mean, I'm and the thing about it is like, I went, I remember I drove to Cleveland the night of the championship oh, just because so I jealous. knew Oh my god! Because I knew we were gonna win. Like I, I knew. Like I knew it. Like I didn't know how. <laughs> I, did, <laughs> I knew it was gonna happen. Though, like I drove like six hours. I was in DC at the time, and um, I mean, it was pandemonium when we won. Like, I, so I don't know why we have to do that thing. Like, which win is gonna be better? It was crazy. People were like jumping on fire trucks and. Like hugging cops, we don't do that. Nobody hugs cops. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> hugging cops and like jumping on fire trucks and like I think you know some of Cavs Twitter almost got shot. Like it was a lot going on, <laughs> and so you know, like I, I I don't know why we have to top that. Like let's just have an equal amount of pandemonium. Yeah, yeah that's, just, that's just be crazy. Like that's the thing. Like Cleveland yeah. is 
part of what I find so endearing as an outsider is just how much Cleveland fans care about their teams. Like I'm jumping on the Browns bandwagon, even though I grew up as a bears fan and then just haven't watched the NFL last three years. Like I'm I'm jumping on the bandwagon because I, I mean, I just don't have a team to care about. And when people I get along with are happy, I'm happy. So it's a, it's a pretty natural transition. Man, you talk about driving there because you knew they were going to win. It took me about five minutes after, like, the buzzer to realize they won. Like, get out of here. <laughs> when when most Bates took that shot, I was still trying to figure out if that thing could count for five points. Like, I, as it was in the air, I, I was trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, it, it, it hit the rim. Uh, all of a sudden, guys are running onto the court, and I'm trying yeah. to figure out, oh, God, no, are they going to call, like, a tech? <laughs> or are they going to shoot free throws? Too many men on the court? Did they run on too early? Like, I just fi- fi- figured there was some sort of way that it was going to get either taken away, or I just didn't it, know how to process I feel like that's a natural Cleveland sports fan reaction to a game. Like, because it never goes our way. Like, there's yeah. always some – we don't cuss, right? Okay. Family. No, no, we, we, we I, I said fuck you two minutes. Oh, did you? Okay, but there's always some bullshit that happens and it goes south and we don't win. So, like, I feel like that is the normal reaction mm-hmm. to like think that something's gonna happen. I don't I, know why. I, I think that, that's all that's how I know sports. Like, that's the lens yeah. I view it through. Like, our that's football, too. yeah, our, our football team, uh, they were about to win the conference championship, they were going to go to the championship game, and on the last play, our yeah. quarterback gets his arm ripped out of his socket and we're starting a first time rookie quarterback in the championship game. And we just barely lose. Like there's just always something that goes wrong. So, okay. Uh, but, but, wait, was, but how did you feel when Kyrie made, I think that's what I knew. Was oh Kyrie. no, I didn't know. I didn't know until I, I was sure we were losing when LeBron missed the first free throw. Yeah. Well, no, I, I was, you know, I, I was like, Oh my God, this game's going to go to overtime. And LeBron has a broken <laughs> shooting hand. LeBron yeah. has fractured his hand. It might fall off. Like we are <laughs> screwed here. Uh, I've, I've, I've said this before as well. I did not watch. Oh, like that stretch where the warriors didn't score. I didn't watch a single one of their possessions with the exception of one. Every single time I put my hands over my eyes and yeah. I just listened to the call, the only exception. I didn't know this. The, <laughs> only, <laughs> the only exception, I, and I still have never watched any of those possessions because I refuse to watch game seven again. But the only possession that you. I watched was the block because it was a turn, like they got the offensive rebound and they just leaked out. And I was like, all right, I've already seen it. Iggy's crossed half court they're going to score this game's over. And then JR gets him to hesitate. LeBron makes the greatest defensive play of all time. And we come up with a podcast name. Um, <laughs> I, I was just hammered. I remember. I, oh, I, I was so hammered. I, dude, I, I had still talk, audio. Man. I did a podcast right after the yeah, game. I was on it. Me and you. You, you were, were oh my God, you were on the podcast. With That's me. fucked up. <laughs> I wish this is a bit. I wish this was a bit. I do not remember you being on it. Yeah, we were. I was completely trashed. I got a 12 pack that I thought would like, I drank about like six or seven of. I just didn't want to run out. And it was like midway through the third quarter. And I walked up to get one more and I was out. (laughs) I was like, oh no. (laughs) And then I, it was like, wait. I stood up and Kylie was, we had a friends over at our apartment and I, and my wife, my now wife was sitting on the floor right in front of me. And I nearly stepped right on her head. I was just like, <laughs> I was so hammered. 
Was it nerves though? I feel like it was nerves because I was, I was. I was. Yeah, I was just nervous life. drinking. I was just yeah. every second I wasn't talking, I was drinking. Yeah. <laughs> do, you have any, three Bev, do you have any? Do you have any predictions for uh, the Cavs this year? Like, do you, what? What's kind of your your hopes with them? Because I I'm hoping for fun. I I think I, I think most people kind of expect them to be bad. I think. I still have a sliver of hope that things really? can go really, really weird and we can have like a magic of last year season where you, you so? just sneak into the playoffs. And I, I mean, we're talking like two, 3% chance, but I, I, I think we could be fun bad. I think we can be fun bad. I really like the young guys. So like what's kind of yeah. your, your hopes and feelings going into this next year? I don't, I don't expect much for this year. I just, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I think. I think. 20- that's healthy. No, that's that's <laughs> healthy. That is the correct think, way to feel. So good. Good start. Thank you. I think twenty twenty one is the start of our of our run. Like we're gonna go on a run, and I feel like twenty twenty one. We're not gonna win in twenty twenty one. We might win in twenty twenty two, but I think twenty twenty one is when it all comes together with our young guys, with our guys oh, that are gonna be back. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I'm really God. hoping for Junior. Like oh, my yeah, Bronny on this team would be so much fun. That, that oh would... my gosh, I would cry. I, would... <laughs> I know that it's not healthy to want that because this team not... to like figure its shit out in a non-LeBron capacity. That, but, can yeah. we... but I do want oh, it. it like, let's <laughs> let's hope at that point the Cavs got good, and then internet hipsters pressured the league into just doing away with the lottery so all 30 teams have right. a shot and then somehow we just win that lottery and get brawny okay I, but wait i have a question I, I love that we just assume that a he's an nba player b he's going yes. first overall oh yeah i mean they're you know Car- carter said that they were doing things for clout the other day and i don't remember what they were doing but i distinctly remember playing saying, basketball yes. at five in the morning because what 14 year old does that but anyway so okay so do we honestly feel like LeBron, old LeBron, is coming back because I don't want him back. Actually, I think that if the only re- reason he would is if things went sideways and he kind of well, maybe like a victory lap year. Um, yeah, it's going to be like, like the Dwayne Wade farewell kind of season. I, I yeah, think- would you not want that, Bev? Like just a goodbye yeah. season? No, I don't want really? him back. I am evil in real. I respect this take. I really respect <laughs> this take. Like I, I, I was, like I was okay with him leaving this time, and I'm like, I'm going to welcome him back. And honestly, it's it's kind of a win-win because if the Lakers are going to be good, and if they are going to win a championship, yeah. at least LeBron would get a ring, and I would legitimately be happy for him. I would uh, like so that. It's kind of my way of hedging bets there. I, I'd be okay with him not coming back. I do think he is going to come back. He I does think have, he is too, but I don't want it. I, he's got the opt-out after two years, and at that point, Cleveland's going to be hosting the All-Star game. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, it kind of lines up. That I, I could see that if he's doing an early farewell tour. Who knows if he's going to own the cows one day. That that would be a whole other interesting thing. But I just don't want him to think that he can continue to come in and out of my life. I respect this. I love yeah. this take. I this love probably, this. Take. And this is the healthy take because I'm just like. <laughs> Come in. <laughs> I, I feel like now we should start bouncing more ideas off of you. Like just bounce off. what This is what we were saying. What's your actual healthy opinion? Balance us out here. I, I think that's really important. I've had to establish boundaries with LeBron. Like, like what was that? It's a quote. Who is it? One of the like important people in poetry said something <laughs> like 
you know, don't leave me twice or never let my Angelou said, never let someone leave you twice. Cause then well, they swing and a miss there. there. I'll let him leave me three times. What <laughs> <laughs> whatever you want, bro. Oh man. Ky- do not let Kylie know this, Carter. Do not. Uh, yeah, she she, she she knows she's got me forever. It, it's not that's not news. Oh, aren't you aren't Aww, she sweet? Aren't I know. Sweet? <laughs> Anyways, I made her clean up wine and then uh <laughs> slipped in a sappy thing at the end of a podcast she'll never listen to Me, oh boy meanwhile, meanwhile i'm on tinder so <laughs> I, I will say this and uh i want to reiterate that i love my wife and i'm glad i'm married we started dating like a week before tinder came out nice. and i never got to fuck with it and i remember all my friends were just Especially like, I don't know if you guys remember early tender, but everyone was so geeked every time they got a match. It was like a big deal. And I'm just sitting there like, motherfucker. (laughs) It's a wasteland. I know it's terrible, but it's like, it's like, um, it's like one of those ballpark foods that look hilariously unhealthy (laughs) that like get made just for social media clout. Like, you know, it's not good. You know, it's not good for you, but you still are like, I kind of want to try it. But still like white. My my wife and That's I were roommates before we were dating. Um, very, very yeah. speaking of health. Yeah, very very normal situation. And I remember when she came up on my Tinder, and I was like, I have to make a decision here. Like, what's going on? That <laughs> <laughs> there may have make that decision. Yeah, well, yeah, I had to make a decision there. I mean, at that point, there had already been some funny business and whatnot. But I was like. What am I going to do here? This is this is a real big decision. <laughs> did you swipe right on your wife? I did. Okay, good. Yay. Yeah, yeah. I okay. mean, I could have just messaged her like on Facebook or texted okay. her, but been a, a problem in the relationship. If like a couple years down the line, you told this story, but the result had been that you swiped left. <laughs> oh my goodness! Do you think she would have been offended, or do you think she would have appreciated that you respected her boundaries? I don't know Trish that well. Um, I good. I think she would be indifferent. I oh, don't good. think she cares about much. Sounds <laughs> much like my wife. <laughs> oh, perfect, Beverly! Thank you so much for coming on. <laughs> really, really do appreciate. It. This seems like a natural spot to wrap before things get really, really off the rails. <laughs> Before uh, we piss off our wives. <laughs> As we mentioned earlier, we are going to tweet out the link to the bolt bag. You can also Google it. It's really easy to find. Uh, it's just such a great cause, Barley. And uh, as I mentioned Thank before, I, I just really, I love how easy it is and easy it yeah. is to use. And, and just, it helps remove such a, a crucial barrier when you are trying to get out of those situations. And and also thank you for like just shining kind of a light on, on these issues and, and helping us kind of talk through some of the stuff because especially with DeMarcus Cousins stuff coming out and I'm sure there's going to be more stuff unfortunately in, in the coming months because that's just kind of the nature of this epidemic. Um, but instead of us just being two dudes talking about it, it actually getting a really informed perspective is, is something that I really do appreciate. I want to say that you are two dudes talking about it, but you did really well. You did a service to domestic violence victims and survivors and listeners. I think it's really important 
that you all did this and I'm so thankful that you did it because it doesn't happen like people don't really talk about it men don't really talk about it sports people really don't talk about it so <laughs> you know I think it's really big that you all talk about it I'm really thankful and grateful that you chose me to talk about it with you well you're uh, the best Bev we yeah, appreciate th- it thank you so much remember guys if you donate send the email send let us know at chasedownpod at gmail.com and we will enter you into our t-shirt giveaway if you want to support our podcast you can rate review subscribe unsubscribe resubscribe help cook those books um, <laughs> <laughs> um so thank you so much to bev thanks to carter thank you to all our listeners and until next time go cast go cast